0: It's been a long wait, but the Chiefs are back in action on Sunday for Week 2, trying to get right. Let's talk about it.
1: You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of the KC Laboratory.
0: Welcome to a live edition of the Casey Laboratory, presented by M. Price Bank, Member FDIC. Matthew Lane, a very happy game preview edition to you, my friend.
1: Oh, buddy, it is a very happy game day, a game preview edition. Not quite game day yet, uh, except for you know, if you are watching some sick Navy football right now, like uh, super producer back here, Tucker D. Franklin is. Um, I'm doing great. I'm ready for this game. It's to be a fun one, I think, Craig.
2: Yeah, uh, the D stands for Navy. Uh, by the way, on Tucker D. Franklin. No, uh, I, thought was, I thought it stood for Midshipman. Uh, it might stand for Midshipman as well. I think that's the second. I thought it stood. I
0: thought it stood for the under. <laughs> the D stands for the under. <laughs> no, it, it it's been good. Um, there has been a lot
2: of things that have happened since the Chiefs last played football for this team. A lot. So yeah, really excited to get to talk about this team again get amped up for yet another game against the jacksonville jaguars and dougie pete it's gonna be a good test
0: yeah it really is and you know obviously this is a game where uh patrick mahomes this is like where patrick mahomes the team that patrick mahomes got hurt against uh he was absolutely hooking uh the jacksonville jaguars we were we were on our way to a uh to a pretty epic, uh, to a pretty epic performance from him. They still got the win. They still ended their season. This is a good team that's on the rise, uh, and both sides of the ball are showing some really positive things. We're going to start with the Chiefs' offense versus the Jaguars' defense in our game preview. And Travis Kelsey has been a limited participant for two practices. Seems to be trending towards the direction of playing. Uh, not too long removed, a little bit over two weeks removed. Or, uh, no, a week and a half removed. Sorry, from uh, hyperextending his knee, and you know, there's a. I think anybody that watched that game against the Lions last week obviously saw the impact of Travis Kelsey. You know, the security blanket for Patrick Mahomes. Um, you know, when maybe things weren't going right in some positions in some situations. Um, you know, there you could kind of it, it felt like you could kind of tell the downs that you th- you you would you would think Mahomes was going to try to find Kelsey. Um, his impact on this offense and bringing him back in the mix—I—I I, I don't think anybody needs to know, but it—it it can't be overstated.
1: I mean, no, not at all. Even beyond just trying to get real, like as we will as this goes on, real nerdy with it and talk about the X's and the O's and the how everything Craig does look extra handsome. I agree. Um, and how everything and that was directed also at Craig uh, from Jordan Foot. So oh. I think just the general narrative, the general feel of this team, right, was they were missing a guy to go to. Just they were missing a go-to guy. They were missing somebody that was going to be reliable on any given play or a specific play that was needed for Patrick Mahomes to go to for Andy Reid to call a play for. Andy Reid said it. He felt that maybe he put Kadarius Toney in an unfair spot by calling so many plays where he was the go-to guy, where he was the first read and the play worked and like Kadarius Tony was open, but that was a lot of pressure on a guy getting his first action this year. That... Oftentimes would be Travis Kelsey. And just it felt like they were missing that guy beyond anything specific. They were just missing somebody they could rely on to go get five yards when they needed five yards.
2: Yeah. I think the thing that was most disconcerting about the play against the Lions is that the Lions just decided to play a whole bunch of zone and they didn't, uh, the Chiefs didn't have the ability to beat it. Like we have spent, now, every year of Patrick Mahomes' career, where any time that a team plays zone that wasn't, uh, that wasn't a cover three zone coming out of Los Angeles, they just would absolutely destroy it, just over and over with Travis Kelsey. And we got to the point where we started to take that for granted. Yes, there are wide receivers on this team that can do it, but he was the guy. He was the one that they just would kind of lean on in those sort of scenarios. Got to see it without or got to see this team without Travis Kelsey out there against zone. It was very, very, very difficult to watch. Now, Jacksonville Jaguars play a ton of zone, and specifically a ton of cover three zone, a lot of cloud coverages. That's two deep safety splitting, you know, uh two-thirds of the field with one corner dropping to the other third. They are really leaning on that zone a lot. Travis Kelsey can go like I, I mean we we know what he does to zone defense we know what Patrick Mahomes does to zone defenses I just think it it, it is the entire engine of this offense and his ability to take the field this week will dictate how the Chiefs offense is going to play
0: if you had told me that the Lions played what it was like 70% zone something crazy like that and the Chiefs w- without Travis Kelsey and all that, I would have been thrilled because like, I would have rather seen this group of patch, pass catchers against a zone heavy scheme than against man. But you know, the lack of consistency, I think that you saw from the receiver position and it doesn't need to be too belabored, right? Like there was a lot of inconsistencies. There was a lot of misses, um, lack of reading, lack of, you know, good leverage, you know, running into each other spacing. It was all just discombobulated at any given point. And, you know, I would have preferred zone a month ago if you'd asked me. Um, I hope the Jags play zone again. Still, to be honest, <laughs> yeah, I hope it's a zone heavy day. I I want to see this team right back at it again. Um, but yeah, it's I-, I I think just the value of Travis Kelsey is going to be huge on this game if-, if he does play. And I talked a little bit about if he does play last week, it was going to be you know some kind of limited package. I would be surprised um, if if he's getting a full workload if he does come back but any, any availability he has could be huge for this team. I do I do want to say here, we said the
2: same thing about LeJarius Sneed who just went out there on that knee that's still limited and has been limited and he played 100% of the snaps. So yeah. who knows? Who knows what's going to happen
1: here? Yeah, but like the Lions outside wide receivers just kind of let you jog around. I don't even know if I want to call that's it run true. what those guys that's were going They kind of let you jog around. Uh, no, I didn't say, okay, so like, Let's get so past like it's like the basic narrative of Kelsey's playing and that helps because duh, it's Travis Kelsey. On the X and O side, okay, the Jaguars are going to play a lot of zone coverage, but they do they like to blitz a lot, and we're going to talk about that here in a minute. But that also puts them in a lot of man coverage situations behind it. The three guys that got picked on a little bit in man coverage for the Jaguars last week from the Colts were both safeties, Andre Sisco and Rashon Jenkins, and then Devin, Devin Lloyd, their linebacker. Those are a lot of guys that are going to get end up matched up with, I don't know, tight ends and slot wide receivers. Like those are where that's where their coverage is going to be the weakest at, right? So, like, if Kelsey's back, whether it's limited or not, he's going to have good matchups. And that can go for zone or in man coverage. Like, there's going to be space for him to work because that is where the Jags pass defense does appear to be the weakest, is up the middle of the field. If I'm not mistaken, he absolutely obliterated the Jags last year in both matchups that they played. They had no real answer for him. It doesn't look at least early on like they're going to have that answer as well. So, like, I think that not only could lead to a big game for him, but that opens up a lot of stuff, whether it's zone or man coverage. Kelsey, even being out there just third downs, let's say he only plays third downs, that dictates what the Jags can do. When the Chiefs want to go Y ISO and put Kelsey backside by himself, they can't just slap a safety out there and take him out of the play like they were doing, like the Lions did to Blake Bell and Noah Gray. They would just go, they would just play man on the backside versus tight end everybody else would play zone versus every other receiver and there was nowhere to go with the ball. So Kelsey being on the field immediately tilts like the leverage and the numbers back to the Chiefs' favor. It's like that's kind of why they
0: desperately need him as these young wide receivers and
1: Mahomes get on the same page.
0: Maddie's player to watch is brought to you by Tickets for Life. <laughs> oh,
2: whoa, whoa. <laughs> Don't well, jump I mean, the gun here. We know this offense has a ton of option routes that are just kind of built in to it. Andy Reid is not going to trust a whole bunch of young wide receivers to have full control over that. Neither does Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey, he does, and so I think that that matters a ton for making the call right, making the route combination right, having a guy that you know is just going going to innately, you know, handle the rest of that.
0: That was definitely, definitely missing. last Maddie. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they are an aggressive group. They have uh, Jonathan Abram in a different jersey from a level of aggressiveness in Andre Sisco. Okay, uh, I'm
1: going to push back here. I'm pushing back. I don't think Andre Sisco is anywhere close to Jonathan Abram or anywhere close to Dirty. I think the man just wants to make big plays. I think he just wants to make big hits, and, it, and sometimes he does. And, like, yeah, it's drawn some penalties. He definitely knocked out a Colts tight end with what was a helmet-to-helmet hit, but it wasn't malicious. He got penalized for it and he moved on. Everyone freaked out about his hit on Anthony Richardson. That was the most normal football play I've ever seen in my life. I I have no ill will towards Andre Cisco. I thought the hit on MVS last year was borderline. Like I thought he launched into it. You throw the flag and you move on. I would not say anything was dirty though. So like I'm I'm pushing back. He's not dirty.
0: Oh, well, he is. I said it. <laughs> so
1: that's okay. They're mad at me for saying Jaguars, but now I get to be on their side with Cisco, so they got to pick their That's poison. True. That's
0: Jaguar. true. It's war this week. Jaguar. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyways, let's talk about that aggressive secondary, though. This is a group that is, you're right, Making trying to make plays, trying to be aggressive downhill, all that good stuff.
1: So, and it's hard to tell, right? It's hard to tell if it's because they went up against the Indianapolis Colts and a rookie in Anthony Richardson. So, like, it is a little bit hard to focus entirely just on one game, right? I don't want to make big sweeping statements based on this one game last week, but I think this carried over from last year, too. They're, they're really they're really aggressive. We've talked about Andre Cisco, but the entire defense plays that way. When they see something, when they get eye candy down below, they're going to drive on it. They want to go make plays. They want to play fast. And what that opens them up for, a lot of times, screenplays, especially like these double screenplays. I think the Colts ran one that actually had a lot of open space where they faked like a jet sweep into a screen and then came back to the running back with only one blocker out in front, but there was nobody in sight. Guess who kind of is uh, famous for dialing up those double screenplays? That's an Andy Reid special. And did we, we only saw one screenplay attempted versus the Lions, if at all. I don't remember if it was one or zero. It's like they didn't get deep into that against the Lions. I just think this is a game to bring that out. And then even more so the RPO game. Another thing that was pretty vacant from the Chiefs versus the Lions, they didn't really lean on their RPO game, despite still running a bunch of outside zone, but they didn't get into their RPO game a ton, and the same thing, the Colts kind of did, that was Anthony Richardson's weakest thing, I think he misread RPOs a lot, he handed the ball off a lot of times when he had a throw read, and they were open, because the Jags were over committing to the run, so I think those are just two areas the Chiefs can kind of keep in the back of their mind that they could take advantage of that over-aggressiveness and hit some big plays in behind it.
2: Yeah, I don't expect that the aggressive nature is fully going to go away. Like, they may play a little bit more, you know, two high shells and things like that, not be quite as aggressive driving downhill. But that's in the nature uh, of the, the set of personnel that they have. That's the way that they play the game. These guys fly around with their hair on fire. It's fun to watch. It really is. Um, especially Andre Sisco as a blitzer, they will send him from deep, deep as a blitzer like he will be the deep safety and be the guy rushing the passer and closes a lot of ground very quickly now they were playing a cover three shell a lot of times you know that adds another guy into the box there it allows you to kind of stop the run and get a little bit better you're not playing as much man you don't want to turn your back to anthony richardson who can run the ball i could understand if the jaguars came out and just went okay we're playing a lot of cover two now. We're going to play a little more man. We're going to play, you know, some of these changeups here. But that's not going to change the fact that when Travis Kelsey is going over the middle of the field, when Rashie Rice has maybe a deep over, Andre Sisco is going to be waiting and driving on that. Rayshon Jenkins is going to be waiting and driving on that. They play so aggressive that they can get had by pump fakes, by simple glances of the eyes, by you know, route combinations that give a little eye candy in front of a safety and then have a later developing route over the top of it. It's there for the taking for this group. Conversely, if you try and dink and dunk on this team and you're going to keep throwing short over the middle, you're going to take a lot of big hits from this group. They're going to they're going to come downhill and they're going to make life really, really rough on you all game long. Andy Reid knows that. Andy Reid's expecting all of that. He's going to have route combinations. He's going to have things on offer to try and get these guys to bite on stuff and try and hit over the top. I foresee a lot more attempted explosive plays down the field, vertical type, you know, throws out of Patrick Mahomes, whether it be to MBS, you know, Sky Moore, Richie James, Kadarius Toney, Justin Watson. These guys, as they're getting vertical, I think that we're going to see a lot more attempts at that just to try and mitigate that and
0: make these safeties think twice about stepping forward into the box. Thinking a little bit about going back to the RPOs a little bit. Um, the two prime targets most likely on some of the slant RPOs, which is typically what the Chiefs, the slant glance, whatever you want to call it. I mean, depends. Um Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice. Sky Moore, we you know, he's had his struggles recently. Rasheed Rice had his drops recently. I mean, he 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 missed a slant RPO in the preseason on a drop. So that's just something I'll be paying attention to. You know, uh, those guys have an opportunity to to maybe hit one one or two of those, and I am paying attention to that. We're going to take a break. We'll be back right after this. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make
3: sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network.
2: It's more fun to be there for live Kansas City Chiefs football.
1: And when you need tickets, Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Kansas City Chiefs and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat. Their interactive seat map gives you 360-degree previews of your section to make sure you have the best view of those pivotal plays. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Chiefs. Hey guys, it's Benny Heist from Benny and the Bets. And when it comes to improving your golf performance, there is nothing quite like a PXG custom club fitting experience with a true PXG fitting specialist. This data-driven fitting is going to help determine the right club heads, perfect loft, lie, and shafts to be able to completely transform and change your game They also lower your scores in the process, so no matter your skill level. You can be fitted for PXG's flagship Gen 6 clubs. They're designed to deliver incredible gains in distance, accuracy, and forgiveness. And for a limited time, you can use the code PXG75 when you sign up for a custom fit and get 75% off your fitting at PXG.com. Or you can give their store in Kansas City a call at 913-396-6100.
3: For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank
0: you to everyone that is hanging out with us tonight. We genuinely appreciate your support of of KC Sports Network. It means a lot. Uh, We had more offensive storyline to watch. Uh, These new tackles, uh, potentially having to deal with a little bit of blitz in here. Uh, What what say you, Matthew?
1: Yeah, it's the same concept. I don't want to read too far into what the Jags did against the Colts. It's a rookie quarterback, a bad offensive line, etc. They blitzed like 35% of the snaps, though. They were sending pressure, and they were sending it a lot. They were making the Colts offensive line. That wasn't good last year. Pick it up sorted out and make Anthony Richardson kind of get rid of the ball or make a decision quickly to force you know a mistake and he did eventually end up making one but it wasn't like they were absolutely destroying what the Colts were trying to do it just it came down to Anthony Richardson was getting locked into one half of the field because that was their game plan and a lot of times it was the wrong side of the field or he just didn't get through it quick enough so against the Chiefs if this pressure is picked up even better or even just as well as the Colts did I think there might be a lot of gaps behind it so I'm interested to see kind of what how the uh, how the Jags approach the blitz aspect and do you go back to blitzing like they did in week 1 or was that just something to throw off what the Chiefs have to look at a game specific thing because we all know that you don't usually want to blitz Mahomes in the pocket or anything like that
2: Yeah you you don't if you can avoid it uh, especially you know like in the playoffs uh, we didn't see it quite as much as maybe we did in the regular season not any team you know uh, teams make those adjustments there. Do they try and heat up these new tackles? Do they try and, you know, kind of test the communication on some of these, you know, hot routes for Patrick Mahomes? I I don't know. But I do want to take this second right here to say that Chris Collinsworth is a narc. What <laughs> is happening here? What are, what, what, is, what is happening here? I, I really do appreciate that Jesse Newell, the K- Casey Star went and talked to Juwan Taylor. Got his input on this. Jawan Taylor said all the right things. Said, yeah, I was probably lining up too deep. Yeah, I need to make some adjustments to that. But then kind of dug it in a little bit. And he's like, but I've done that my whole career. That's right, Jawan, you have. As has everybody. All of these offensive tackles all over the league. And Chris Collinsworth, because they had Aiden Hutchinson's family sitting in the stands. And they had clips that they wanted to get to. Made it a point to call Jawan Taylor out over and over and over again. What a narc. Jawan Taylor's gonna come out. He's gonna handle business against his own team. He's gonna line up appropriately all game long because they got a whole bunch of eyes on him. I just, man, that ticked me off today when I when I saw that the NFL, you know, refereeing association comes out and says, paying a lot closer attention to this now. It's like, where have you been the last seven years when everybody's hey, been doing this? No,
1: real quick, listen. The Eagles are playing right now on Thursday Night Football. I was watching before we started. Lane Johnson is noticeably not getting off the line quite as fast as he was all of last year and last week. Now, I'm not saying it means anything, but it could be the same thing. They said there was a a video of players' examples of doing it, including Taylor and others. I can almost guarantee Lane Johnson's one of these others because he was yeah. very good at the uh, pre-snap get-off action that everybody was doing. I just I noticed it before we jumped on here that it was noticeably slower. So like, I wonder if he was informed that he was also in the video package. I don't care about the snap get-off. They're not going to call those false starts. Just align properly, you're good to go. And honestly, I think that will help Taylor even more. Not Taylor, it'll help Trey Smith. It'll help Trey Smith if Juwan oh, Taylor is yeah. not quite as deep getting off that fast because he left Trey Smith with a lot of ground to cover sometimes. Sorry, kid.
0: Craig's player to watch is brought to you by Tickets for Less. No, um, it yeah, a narc just just be, I mean, blitz, blitz or no blitz. This is a, a good pairing of edge rushers that this tackle is going to tackle group's going to get challenged with, too. Josh Allen, uh, that Josh Allen, uh, and uh, and Trayvon Walker both are going to present problems for this team that they're going to have to deal with just without a blitz. So, that is a good pairing of edge rushers, uh, and it's a big challenge for them. And I mean, I, I felt pretty good about the pass or the, the pass protection i know there's some metrics that don't love it i think it's because Mahomes holes is holding the ball freakishly long because all the receivers weren't doing what they're supposed to be doing uh but uh yeah i think this is a really really big challenge for both sides uh, of the tackles uh at any given time because this is a good group Players to Watch is brought to you by Tickets for Less. Use promo code KCSN to get the best discount available on Tickets for Less at any given time using that code. You are guaranteed the best rate when you use promo code KCSN at ticketsforless.com. Craig, who's your player to watch on the offensive side of the ball? I mean, I think he's everybody's player to watch. If we're being honest here, it's Kadarius
2: Tony. How did he come back after an abandonment Abysmal performance. I really appreciated that while you know everybody was anticipating Chris Jones to take the podium this week, Kadarius Tony steps up, takes the podium, and owns it. Says, Yeah, I told the guys I let him down. I'm better than that. They count on me to make these chances, you know, take these chances and make something of them. And I didn't. I did a poor job of all of that. Kadarius Tony has kind of falling down the ranks in a lot of people's eyes throughout this off season here. I think all it's really going to take is one good performance to kind of get everybody back to the point where it's like, Oh, okay. That's the guy that we expected. That's the guy that we want. Even if it is some manufactured touches, even if it is some of the stuff that we've seen in the past, you know, for guys like Nicole Hardman or things like that, that's fine. Get him on the field, get the confidence up, get the ball in his hands because he is electric with it in his hands But I do want to see how he reacts as a wide receiver to what's going to happen out there, the chirping
0: that's going to happen after the bad game that he had last week. The wide receiver I came away most excited about for the Chiefs was Rashi Rice. I am really excited about his outlook. I think he did some really nice things early on in the game specifically. Uh, His touchdown, I think, was a little bit of improvisation, work into space on the back line. And finding it and, and and being rewarded with a touchdown. I know he's had the drop issues, but I also watched him as a player. I believe he is he's the he's the ceiling. He's the guy that can present the ceiling for this offensive receiver room. Uh, I'm I'm I was very encouraged. I want to see him in more packages. I hope they get him involved a little bit more. And like I said, we talked a little bit earlier. He's a guy that could be a benefactor of you know if they're running any slant or glance RPOs. He's one of the guys I think that could really be the benefactor. He struggled with a couple of those, those slant routes early, you know, in, in trade or in the preseason. He dropped two different ones in two different games. Uh, I want to see if he gets those opportunities and how he maximizes those. Give me Rashi Rice as my player to watch.
1: Yeah, no, and they came back to him and he caught some. So like they used him a lot as that in the preseason. And I think you guys both using both these wide receivers, I think it's perfect because I wanted to, I forgot about this part during the uh, RPO section. You mentioned the slant flat RPO, right? And I think that's good. That has a chance for a bigger play. But I think it does put a little bit of pressure on the receivers because they have to catch a hotter pass on the move. We've seen Sky Moore drop one that was a little behind him. We've seen Rice drop a couple of them throughout the preseason and stuff like that. Just get back to their stick RPO. Just get some hitches and get some easy stuff. You want to build confidence over two receivers that maybe had up and down performances last week or mostly down in like Tony's case. Throw him some, just some hitches on RPOs. Clear out the linebacker. Let him just settle down, square up to a football that's coming right at his numbers and catch it. Same for Rice. Like, give them an easy pass to catch. I think you can work those in there, too. And I like that the Chiefs brought back that that was like a staple in 2018 and a little bit in 19, and they moved away from the hitches and the stick routes and went to the slant flat. I would like that they bring it back a little bit. So I want to see that. My player to watch, we did talk about him a little bit, though. Juwan Taylor. He's targeted. He got targeted by Chris Collinsworth. He got targeted by Collinsworth. He got targeted by the NFL. He got targeted by a narc. Like everyone's talking about Jawan Taylor in a negative light, despite him playing an absolute excellent, excellent game. Um, so now he's going up against Josh Allen and Trevon Walker. Josh Allen had a great week last week working up against the Colts. He moves around. He kind of has the physical tools that can give Juwan Taylor a little bit of trouble because he can transfer his speed to a power a little bit. So I'm interested to see how that matchup goes. I'm looking for Taylor to come out and kind of pitch a shutout essentially again. He gave up two pressures, I believe, last week. Both to Aidan Hutchinson and they were borderline. It's like Can he repeat that against another quality pass rush? I, I think he can, so I'm intrigued to see what he can do. And oh yeah, shout out Travis Kelsey. Keep your eyes on Big 8-7 coming back. We weren't about to get out of this section without that one, Dan.
0: <laughs> there it is. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Get in on the NFL two uh, Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code KCSN to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.com. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text hope and why in Connecticut help is available for problem gambling call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org please play responsibly on behalf of boot hill casino and resort 21 and older age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario see sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility and deposit restrictions apply let's talk about the defense Trevor Lawrence, I thought, played a very good game. Uh, He had some extremely special throws that I think a lot of people have seen, and they've made their rounds here on social media. Um, But he wasn't susceptible. He wasn't perfect. And pressure could get to him a little bit, Craig. Yeah,
2: absolutely the case. Um, When Trevor Lawrence was allowed to sit in the pocket and deal, especially on some of these out routes that were that were just really giving the Colts' quarterbacks fits there. He was throwing frozen ropes out there. He was picking up chunk yardage. It was there for the taking for him. When DeForest Buckner was in his face, or Pay was in his face, he struggled. He made mistakes. He made some bad passes that luckily he has the arm to kind of muscle through some of them, but there were others that just did not look good. He made some poor decisions. He missed guys. That happens with every quarterback when they get pressure. The difference is he was under pressure far more often than I think anybody expected him to be, especially with this Colts front. It's good, but it's not like this elite you know, force that, that's getting after the quarterback. They did a really good job of getting Trevor Lawrence off his spot, making him uncomfortable. Now we go to the Kansas City Chiefs. They are coming off a good defensive line game against a good offensive line, going up against a much worse offensive line that could be even worse. Brandon Scherf can't go. He's been limited in practice so far. I'm expecting him. However, he might not be able to because he came back in the game and then had to be pulled out. I can see situations where this pass rush, even without Chris Jones, would make life difficult on Trevor Lawrence with some of the stuff that Steve Spagnolo has done with his 335 where he's trying to get guys into different, you know, looks and get different one-on-ones for guys. Chris Jones is going to see a lot more opportunities than maybe we've even seen in the past couple of years to get one-on-ones and pressure Trevor Lawrence from the interior. That's where a lot of this came from DeForest Buckner. He ruined Ben Barch for most of the day. Like it, it wasn't just, you know, oh, you know, Brandon Scherf goes out. New right guard comes in, you know, they move Buckner over there and takes advantage. Of, no, no, they left Buckner on the left side against Ben Barch, and he dominated him for most of the day. There are a lot of susceptible pieces on the interior of this offensive line, especially getting Chris Jones back, getting some of the stunt game back, getting some of the blitzes that they can bring from the interior into this, you know, into this game plan. I think they can get after Trevor Lawrence enough to make him make more mistakes and make him not as comfortable, which I have to do because when he's back there with time, whoo, buddy, he looks good.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, when Trevor Lawrence dropped back to throw and he wasn't pressured, there was 27 dropbacks. He completed 22 passes and had two touchdowns. Now, when he was pressured on eight dropbacks, he completed two passes with an interception. Granted, it like ricocheted off his running back's like, face mask or something and two sacks, though. It's so, like, Yes, any quarterback when pressured is going to be worse, but Trevor Lawrence has gone quite far. There's been a drastic difference between Trevor Lawrence being pressured and being kept clean. He's a very he's one of the best quarterbacks in the league when he's kept clean. He does make questionable decisions and gets a little flustered when he has to make plays under pressure, under duress. Everyone's making a big deal about like this highlight throw to Calvin Ridley, which was an amazing throw. Absolute Amazing. great throw. Off play action, getting chased down. He throws a ball into one of the tightest windows you will ever see, and it's completed to Calvin Ridley. You try that pass 10 times, it's probably getting knocked down six times and picked another two or three times, and then you're getting the completions, right? It's like you want him to make that throw to beat you. If you make him make throws like that five times a game and he does it, you tip your hat and say good job, and he can but you want him trying to make that throw and force that ball into that window because that's, I mean, that's a turnover waiting to happen. And it was because he's under pressure. And this is something Kent and I have long kind of talked about. Trevor Lawrence is a great, great quarterback prospect. He's a little robotic with some of his movements, though. Mm-hmm. And that means sometimes it takes him a little bit to if he's not set, if his platform isn't set, it takes him a second to set up his mechanics to throw the ball. He can't just throw the football from any angle completely off platform and do it accurately all the time. So you pressure him. He is very viable to make mistakes. It does happen relatively frequently. And to Craig's point, this offensive line had their hands full. It's not even like their tackles were great. Walker Little and Anton Harrison had their hands full with the, Col- the, the Indianapolis Colts defensive ends. But Forrest Buckner had his way with anyone he was matched up with. Ben Barch is the only healthy starting interior guy for them. I don't know. I think Luke Fortner is going to play. Brandon Scharf seems to be a little up in the air. Both he limited, might though. still play. Yeah. Yeah. They both still might play. Ben Barch is still the only healthy starter, and he's probably the worst of their five starting offensive linemen. I, that's a great matchup where the Chiefs are sitting right now. Oh, talked about all this. The Colts only blitzed twice in the entire game. You think C. Bagnoles only going to blitz twice? Do we yeah. remember how that playoff game went? He had Trevor Lawrence's head spinning so fast in the first half, trying to figure out what was going on. And then he did find his footing after a while. Like, the Chiefs are going to heat him up, and it's going to be up to Lawrence to be a lot better than two for eight. And had to take two sacks uh, under pressure to beat the Chiefs.
2: The hilarious part is you say that they blitzed twice. I, I know exactly both of them. Like they stick out because <laughs> those guys were running free, right? And Trevor Lawrence's fight. Like, I mean, they were crazy
0: effective. So yeah. DeForest Buckner, uh, he had a good game. He had a good game. So I uh yeah, maybe I don't know. I don't know if anybody's gonna play her to watch. We'll see. Uh Jacks have Jacksonville has some weapons, uh, they have some. I mean they have some very specific skill sets too that play very well within that offense. Doug Peterson is a great play caller. Um it is a group that can hurt you. Um how do you defend what Jacksonville has cooking for them, Craig? I mean, if you can't get Trevor off the spot,
2: it's gonna be a long day. Uh Christian Kirk showed you know basically why they gave him all that money throughout the playoffs you know last year he was he was so
1: what a 180 on that contract the entire world had to do
2: holy cow yeah everybody can eat crow on the fact that, that they paid him all that money he was excellent but i mean he looked good once again you know in week 1 he did a lot of positive things over there i i think that the one that everybody kind of is remarking on is Calvin Ridley looked excellent like he really does he doesn't look like a guy that missed any time you know was out of football for a year he really gelled with this offense really really well and oh yeah zay jones is just out here making one-handed catches in the end zone on a, on an
0: excellently thrown ball is what else is new like i mean it's zay's kind of sneaky like, like zay's not like the most well-rounded player but he has some sneaky good moments i'm yes, just saying this He's could... Brandon
1: Lloyd. He's the Brandon Lloyd of this generation. Oh, like... The highlight plays are great. And everything in between, you're just like, I-, I guess.
2: Yeah. I mean, they've got guys like they've got other guys. Jamal Agnew has, has juice, like a ton of juice. The chance guy Parker Washington is on this roster
0: as well. I Wow. That was a, that was that was shade. It was yeah. That we was got a all shame. these guys and Kent's guy Parker Washington's on the roster, <laughs> but there's a
2: ton of weapons at the wide receiver group. They have really done a good job of insulating Trevor Lawrence and giving him all these guys with talent to not only you know get open against any secondary, but when they've got the ball in their hands, all these guys are capable of a lot. And it is scary to think about what Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence and these weapons can do. I am not going to be surprised if this Jacksonville offense by the end of the year is a top-five offense. Like, they got that capability. We haven't even talked about the fact that, yeah, they've got Travis Etienne in the backfield as well that can, that can house stuff. Like, there Tank is Bixby. Bixby. Oh, and Tank Bixby is good, too. Maybe. I don't know, he might be the doghouse. He had, a, yeah, rough he had a, he a rough game. He had a fumble. He did He had a fumble. Yeah. Did you but see it? <laughs> there was a lot of positive that I saw – with this offense already, Calvin Ridley getting integrated so quickly is bad news for any team that was playing this team up front, because I think you were hoping, oh, they got to ease him in a little bit. Maybe we can maybe we can catch them without all of their full complement of weapons. He's good, and they're good. It, it is going to be dangerous the way that they can attack this Chiefs defense, specifically in the secondary. The Lions didn't have these kinds of weapons. Amon's Ross St. Brown's a good football player, but it's not to this level. This is by far the biggest early season test that the Chiefs could have,
1: and it's an, an entirely different test than what the Lions like presented. Right? Like, even if you want to say Amon Ross St. Brown's just as good of a wide receiver, like I'm not ready to have that debate. Tucker, calm down. But like, he plays out of the slot and he wins over the middle of the field. Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones both essentially aligned exclusively on the outside. Right? Calvin Ridley's their number one wide receiver. He played what 86 percent of his snaps out wide he is an outside wide receiver. So is Zay Jones. Those two, can. each of them had over a nine and a half yard, like average depth of target on their passes. They play outside and they're working vertical. Those guys are getting a lot of targets in the intermediate to deep range, mix in a screen here or there. And that's how you get there. Like they are not trying to play the short, you know, quick game with Calvin Ridley and Zay Jones. When they want to challenge corners, they are going to do it downfield to make chunk plays. Or as Craig alluded to earlier, they're going to run a lot of out routes with those guys. They're going to run a lot of timing, deep comeback routes. And if you can't get to Trevor Lawrence, he's going to put the ball on them. So your corners are going to have to be in the right spot. They are going to have to play it well to slow those guys down. Christian Kirk, Evan Ingram didn't get used a lot last week uh, in the game against the Colts. I think that they will probably have to play a lot bigger role in this game. You probably want to attack the Chiefs a little bit over the middle of the field with your passing attack. That is usually when they seem to struggle the most to slow teams down. So I do have you know my eyes on those guys to have a bounce back game, but it's a big challenge in the secondary. How do you slow down these vertical paced wide receivers that are going to try to win on the outside with a good quarterback? I mean, we talked about it. The answer is you pressure Trevor Lawrence. As that game went on versus the Colts, they went from pushing the ball downfield and outside to a lot of quick game because they yeah. couldn't do a traditional drop back. They had to go under center and run play action to get a deep pass after like the first quarter ended. They had to. So like that's something the pressure is going to help, but like these corners are going to be challenged. They will throw up contested catch chances. They will throw the ball to tight windows. What does LeJarius need? Josh Williams, Trent McDuffie when he's on the outside? What do they do here? I wonder if we get a lot of just like mixed coverage and stuff from Spags again. A lot of mixing stuff up. Little man, little zone. Trevor can be got. You want to show him a little bit of man. You want to show him that it's going to be quarters and then you would set it earlier, play some cloud coverage where you get a corner that can drop under something. Like, I think you're going to have to mix stuff up, change the picture on them because they will try to fit the ball in tight windows down the outside.
0: I love it. And yeah, I think just if it's a if, if it's a seven on seven game, Trevor Lawrence is going to absolutely pick you apart. So just yeah. getting him to hold and reset for a beat, you know, getting him off his spot just a little bit can, can present variables that may impact him different than Patrick Mahomes can. And this isn't a slide on Trevor Lawrence at all. This is just like, I mean, it's Patrick Mahomes. But yeah, no, and I, I think that's, I think, yeah, mixing some things up, make a young guy, make a young kid think a little bit. Uh, you know, he's still learning. He's still getting a lot thrown at him. It's Steve Spagnuolo is the exact kind of guy that might want to throw some stuff at him. Uh, horizontal stretch in this offense. So it's a valuable asset to this team. They got some speed to get on the edge. Uh, a little outside zone action. Doug, Dougie P, uh, it's like he's from the Andy Reid tree and some things look very sig- similar. One of the, even the guys we kind of talked about, Jamal Agnew, is another guy that they like to try to get out horizontally, out on the edge, and he gets utilized. That's one of the guys I think Doug Peterson does a great job of just using his skill set specifically. Um, this team's going to stretch your sideline to sideline for sure, Matthew.
1: Well, yeah, because we talked about it. The offensive line ain't great, right? Why would you want to load up behind this interior offensive line that I mean isn't operating, you know, at one hundred percent health, but also isn't moving bodies like crazy? So. They are. They're going to use the speed of Travis Etienne. They're going to use the creativity of Doug Peterson and then, you know, the athleticism of Jamal Agnew. They will try to pre- they will try to bring the ball around the edges. If they need to, we saw it in the playoff game last year. They'll throw a bunch of screens. They will throw eight screens on a drive and just call it the run game if they need to. It's like they want to put these athletes out in space. They are clearly like a better or a more explosive rushing team to the outside. I believe it was in the game against the uh, Chiefs last year, they averaged like almost double the yards per carry when they were going to the tackles or outside. They kind of had similar success against the like, Indianapolis Colts, I believe, running off the left side. Travis Etienne had like over nine yards or around nine yards per carry running wide to the left. That is where they kind of make their make their money trying to get in the run game. It's using that speed, stretching stuff out, letting an athlete like Etienne or Agnew on misdirection stuff create and open up and. I thought last year. I thought Nick Bolton, Willie Gay. I thought the Chiefs struggled a little bit to keep up. They struggled to get out there and contain it. I wonder what it'll look like this time. You can't always rely on your defensive ends to make that play every single time, especially when you're going to be rot- going to be losing Frank Clark. You're going to be losing Carlos Dunlap, two guys that were on this team last year in this role that aren't there, and relying on Carlos, and Dana, and a in rook- rookies and rotational guys to go out there and do that job. So, like, the Chiefs got to be ready. They got to have some answers to stop this kind of horizontal stretch action, whether it's screens
2: or outside runs. I it, Trevor Lawrence threw 10 passes <laughs> at or behind the line of scrimmage this week. Like, that is a lot. That is a lot. And on top of that, per NFL Next Gen Stats, he had the second fastest time to throw in the league, 2.43 seconds just behind Dak Prescott. They don't want him sitting back there in the pocket. They don't want this pass rush getting to him. They want to get the ball out wide to the playmakers, like Maddie was saying. Throw a bunch of bubble screens, throw a bunch of stuff out in space, and say, "All right, let's let your CBs come up and try and make tackles against our, you know, our bigger wide receivers or Evan Ingram if he's out there, or you know, wh- whoever the case may be, out there blocking for this team." I just see lots of opportunities for the Chiefs in space to make plays. And right now we are seeing that. Legere Sneed missed a bunch of tackles this past week, a whole bunch of them. He looked like a guy that hadn't played much football this preseason, which is understandable. He was in the right place at the right time. And we know that he can make those sorts of things. Does he have a big rebound year or gear, rebound game? Trent McDuffie is a guy that was flying around like crazy that was slipping blocks on the edges and making plays there are opportunities for him there is a way for this team to stay ahead of the sticks and reduce the big playability that can come from this because that's where it's going to come from Travis Etienne off the edge Jamal Agnew in space yes we're going to look at these things you know these smash concepts that they're going to run where they're going to have this corner route with a hitch underneath and Trevor Lawrence is going to be able to kind of slide it in where they need to But it's not going to be to the same effect as some of these kind of nickel and dime, get the ball out quickly, don't allow the pass rush to get home things that really impact the game more for this front. You know, you tee up blitzes, you tee up all these things as a defensive coordinator, the ball's getting out immediately to the wings. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you're bringing unless you can get a defensive end up field. that can beat a cut block like George Karloffis did last week to his credit. But it really... It just gives your defense so much more trouble trying to chase all that stuff down. I expect a ton of it, especially if they don't have a guy like Drew Tranquil on the edge that they've been using a little bit more in week one. Year.
0: Players to watch time. It is presented by Tickets for Less. Reminder: promo code KCSN will give you the best discount available on Tickets for Less. That's ticket for less. Tickets for dot com. Promo code KCSN. Best available discounts that they have. Uh, I'm first, and I'm. We have not spent enough time talking today about the return of Chris Jones. And I know we spent a not- we've been uh, spent a bajillion hours before this, but I'm gonna invoke Chris Jones here. I'm really excited to see what he what he's up to. You know, I'm fascinated for a lot of different angles. Obviously, this is a highly motivated football player that is out to try to go prove uh, everyone wrong. Uh, and make you know make a big impact on the game, and and make a big impact so that he can get paid handsomely this off season. Um, I'm curious the snap count. I'm curious how many plays he steps and is able to play, and I'm curious if he's rusty and how much he's able to to impact this game. I think you know uh, it sounded like you know Spags didn't want to put a number on how many snaps he's going to be playing. I'm fascinated to see what their plans for him is. He a package player? Are they going to just let him get out there and go and do his thing? Um, it's going to be interesting. And so I think he's going to make an impact on this game for sure in some capacity. Um, I mean, duh,
3: he's
0: (laughs) one of the best interior defensive players in all of football, but how big of an impact is it? I'm, I'm very curious. So Chris Jones is my guy to watch.
2: My guy to watch, which I believe I stole from Maddie, is Trent McDuffie himself. I talked about him, you know, tackling in space. He really was terrific against the Detroit Lions. He was in the hip pocket of all those wide receivers. This is obviously a step up in quality of wide receiver, but I'm looking for him to make a play on the ball on some of these bubble screens. Trevor Lawrence is very good at getting the ball out of the wings really, really rapidly. Trent McDuffie, though has just shown this extra little bit of burst in his game lately. This extra little bit of you know football IQ and ability to detect things and ability to kind of be in the right place at the right time. I foresee Trent McDuffie jumping one of these, really making things difficult. I don't know if he's going to pick it off, but he's going to get his hands on it and he's going to make Trevor Lawrence think about it. I can see scenarios where Steve Spagnuolo or Dave Merritt says, hey, just go for it. Just try and jump it. We're gonna we're gonna shade somebody over to that side if they throw it. We're gonna offer you some protection. Go make them think twice about throwing that as often as they could. I think Tripp McDuffie makes a big play, and I think it could be as big as taking one of those and housing it himself.
1: You did steal that. Um, I think he was gonna jump a jump a slant route towards the end of the game. to Justin Reed ah. knocked out of the line of scrimmage. Um, he I, that could have been a house call too. That he was all gonna... over that. I was that ball was late. He was there. Um, anyway, yes, I was gonna take Trent McDuffie. I think it's a big matchup. Whether he's on Kirk in the slot or they keep him outside as they cycle guys in the slot and have him on Ridley. Like, I think that's he is the guy to watch. He might be taking the torch from Steed. It's like the the best TV be on, on the Chiefs second the Chiefs secondary. And it might be coming quicker than we want it to, I think. Um, my player to watch in a mad scramble, we're gonna go with Drew Tranquil. Um he only played 14 snaps against the Lions, but They were a solid 14 snaps, right? Like, he came in and played Mike uh, while Nick Bolton, I think, got a series off. Maybe he was a little dinged up or something, but he came in and played Mike. He rotated in at various times throughout the game. I thought he always looked good. He plays downhill very quick. Like, you noticeably see a guy like Willie Gay or Leo Chanel are attacking because that's what they do. They just want to attack. It looks like Tranquil actually reads it out before he goes, but he's still getting forward quickly. He's a little bit faster, I think, than Nick Bolton on the trigger to attack the line of scrimmage but without just attack reading it out. So like, I like that. And then you put his athleticism, his ability to actually get out to the sideline against this Jags team that I do think is going to try to stretch them out vertically. I think this is a chance where he plays a few more snaps this week and makes a little more sense to not play as much heavy personnel and get tranquil out there with Nick Bolton and the nickel a little bit more. Craig wrote in a fantastic article on the KCSN substack, about how the Chiefs utilized a three-three-five a little bit more frequently. Only four snaps, but still, four snaps is not nothing. And Drew Tranquil was involved in all four of them. That was, that so do we get more of those reps? Do we get more time with three uh, defensive linemen and three linebackers of Tranquil on the field? So I think this could be a big game for him to see an uptick in snaps, especially given the matchup.
0: Remember, promo code KCSN at ticketsforless.com. It will give you the biggest Discount available on the site. All right, prediction time, folks. Craig Stouts, what say you? This is going to be a very tight game.
2: I feel like this is going to be pretty back and forth because the Indianapolis Colts defense played really well against Trevor Lawrence, and it didn't matter. Like, they they even put up points of their own on a play that they thought were dead. It just didn't matter. I think there's going to be a more orchestrated plan by Steve Spagnuolo. I think we're going to see a little bit more blitzing out of Steve Spagnuolo that's going to force Trevor Lawrence off of his spot a little bit more. And I don't think it's going to click quite as much. I think he's going to come a little bit farther back down to earth this week. Conversely, Travis Kelsey being back in this offense, the Chiefs are going to force feed Kadarius Toney some of these manufactured touches to get his confidence up. I think the Chiefs are going to move the ball just fine on offense here, especially since this secondary, if they play as aggressive as they did in Week 1, can be hacked over the top. So I think that this is going to be a little lower-scoring game than I'm talking it up here, but I think the Chiefs eke out a victory, get a late touchdown here to end up winning this thing 28-21 to 21 and cover the spread, but it's going to be back and forth for most of the day.
1: Is it me next, Sorry, it's me next. I didn't know he said I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't had no idea. Um, right there on the run down. This is my favorite bit. The the what? Okay. Um I said last week that I thought it was going to be a high scoring affair. It absolutely was not between the Chiefs and the Lions. I'm going back to the well. I think it's another high scoring affair. I think the Chiefs offense has a little bit to prove. You know, they've been not a laughing stock, but they got a lot of criticism. Everyone's talked about them. We talked about Juan Taylor has a target on his back. Canarius Tony has a target on his hands. Well, needs a target on his hands. I don't know. Um, the other receivers are struggling to make a huge impact. Maybe Travis Kelsey's back. Maybe he's not. A lot of criticism coming out. Offense gets it in gear for this game. I don't want to say it's a must-win game because it is just week two. It's not technically within the division, but it is in the. Right, So like you want to get this win. You don't want to have the Jags sitting there at 2-0 and with a win over you when you were competing for exactly one bye week and home field advantage. So they would like to win. I think the offense turns it around. While I do have faith this defense is better, when the offense starts scoring against another high-flying offense, we've seen it you know, year in, year out, the up defense doesn't slack off, but they start giving up a few more plays. And it seems like other offenses give their best foot forward. I think it's a high-scoring affair. I think the Chiefs get timely stops on defense but it doesn't look as pretty as it did last week against the Lions. I have the Chiefs winning 34-31. to 31. Close game, but the Chiefs pulled out in the end.
0: So I think this group has definitely been challenged. They've heard everything. They feel everything. They know everything that they that happened 10 days ago. And I think there's some groups that are going to take this very personally. Obviously, I think the receiver group is going to take it personally. They're going to feel a sense of, um, you know, they're, they're going to show some pride. And the desire to get right back on the horse. I think Mahomes, you know, he's been pretty blunt about some things here too. And I think it was a, it was tough sledding for him to navigate that game. Like I said, I think he managed it decently well. I think he handled things, you know, pretty well, all things considered, but definitely dealing with some of the inconsistency of the receiver room wore on him very clearly. Um, I think this I, I think just him feeling more confident and knowing what he needs to do is going to go a long way in helping this offense kind of get pushed out of this thing. You know, I don't see, you know, the receivers might make the same mistake twice here or there. Patrick Mahomes isn't. That is something that's been a common theme. He's going to respond, and just him responding differently in some of these moments, and some of these plays, and feeling like he got some of those back, I think will go a long way in in this team moving the, moving the ball a little bit better. And, oh, by the way, that Travis Kelsey guy. So I have them putting up a lot of points. I have them, you know, with a strong with a strong rebound game against a good football team. I'm going to go 34-27. Chiefs win, get back on the horse, back in the win column, and let's get rolling against an ASC opponent. That is going to do it for the Casey Laboratory. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate you. We'll catch you later. Watch that Kelsey cat.